Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. The reading from God's Word tonight is from Lamentations 3, 21 through 24. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in Him. Please be seated. If I say the book or reference the book Lamentations, what comes to your mind? How much, how much do you know about Lamentations? What, what do you think about? Well, I need you to turn to that book tonight, and that's where we're going to be for the lesson. And in, as a matter of fact, I, I want to send you back to work or school or whatever you're doing with something to think about. I often think like that on Sunday nights. So I, want, I want to give you something to carry with you back to what you're employed in, and it's from the book of Lamentations. As a matter of fact, it's from chapter 3, but I'm, I'm not going there first. It's something that has meant a lot to my life. It's, it's a word that describes the Lord, and so we'll get there in just a couple of minutes. But what I want to do is to build it up for you first. I want to set the stage, and, and then we'll be ready for it. In my life, preaching... A few times, not many, but a few. I've had occasion to be with Christians who would abandon their faith and, and pursue atheism or some form of atheism, agnosticism. It's the worst thing I can imagine. I, I, you know, you, you sometimes think that the worst thing that could happen to a person would be an untimely death. Some accident, awful accident occurs. And some of you have lost loved ones this way, some terrible thing. That's not the worst thing that could happen. The worst thing to happen would be for a person to die lost and for a person to turn his back on God, to renounce his faith, is, is the, the worst thing that I can, frankly, imagine. And when I was writing this sermon, preparing it, I was thinking along those lines because there's a correlation here. And it occurred to me as I went through those different faces in my mind of people who I have known who have done that, it occurred to me that in every case, what was... The commonality was that in every case they had suffered some grievous thing in their life. Now, I'm not going to go through those in specific, but, but every one of them had faced some really, really hard challenge in life. And, and the motivation then was to look at God and say, if you really exist, why are you letting this happen to me? And, and therefore, you must not exist because I'm suffering so very much. And in all of these cases, there was some real stuff going on, some really bad things going on. And they ab abandoned their faith. They just couldn't believe him in anymore. You may have never gotten to that place, apparently not, because here you are tonight. But are there times in your life when things get so hard that you just don't know if he's listening to your prayers anymore? Is it, is it that he just is apathetic to you? Is it that he just doesn't care? Or does he exist? Do you ever question those kinds of things? Well, this is good for that. I think this helps that. The book of Lamentations was 
was written because the people of Israel, the people of Judah, were being taken over by the Babylonians. This is not written haphazardly. The book of Lamentations has five chapters or laments. And lament, as you know, means weeping. And Jeremiah is universally accepted to be the prophet who wrote Lamentations. And we call him the weeping prophet. It's it's the, the laments. Now, five laments, five chapters. And when you go through there, you'll find that one, two, four, and five have 22 verses each. The reason is there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And these chapters, these laments follow that. Now there's some more interesting details similar to that, but I'll leave that to your own study. It's just fascinating to me. In other words, this was very, very carefully constructed, probably to make it more easy to memorize it. I mean, it's a dirge. This is, this is very dark. It's, it's a weeping thing. It's a prophet weeping over what's happening in Judah. And yet, it's very carefully worded as if people might want to find it easier to remember it. Perhaps it would be used in funerals to read through some of this. In 722 BC, the king, kingdom of Israel split. Now, up to that point, it had been one kingdom of Israel. But you have the son of, of Solomon, Rehoboam, and Jeroboam then, and they split the kingdom. And it's not going to ever reconcile really again. I mean, ultimately you'll have the church and all nations flow into that. But from the beginning, it's going in the wrong direction. God didn't want the kings. And eventually, in 722 B.C., the the northern kingdom, Israel, goes into Assyrian captivity. Well, it it wasn't because they weren't warned. God sent the prophets and all to warn them. But it's because they just became drunk on idolatry. They wanted to be like the nations around them. So they rejected God and they embraced idolatry. And God said, okay, I'm done. I'm done. And they went into Assyrian captivity. A little less than 200 years later, in about 586 BC, then the, the southern kingdom follows suit. Which is just tragic. How, how, how is it that they couldn't just look and see and this is what happened to our fellow Israelites, and it could happen to us, so let's fix our... But that would, what they did instead was to follow idolatry, and ultimately they go into this captivity. The book of Jeremiah uh, is from the prophet by that name who prophesied for about 40 years. And he would prophesy to five different kings, or during the tenure of five different kings, four of whom were just absolutely terrible. And it's Jeremiah who is prophesying during the time when the siege of the Babylonians comes on Jerusalem. Now, what they want to do is just utterly defeat them. They don't want to kill all of them, but they want to kill a bunch of them. And so it's going to happen with the sword. It will happen. They they surround it, and, and the siege is going to last, are you ready for this, 30 months. And during that time, they're not allowing food to get in. Can't, you can't leave Jerusalem. And what was once a beautiful place is just awful. Now go back to Genesis, uh, Jeremiah chapter 38. <clears throat> Jeremiah, Judah was warned about this by Jeremiah, but they thumbed their nose at God. Now I'm in Jeremiah 38 verse 1. Now, Shephathiah, the son of Matan, Gedaliah, the son of Pasher, Jucal, the son of Shelemiah and Pesher, the son of Malachi, or Malchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken to all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, 
He who remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine, by pestilence. But he who goes over to the Chaldeans shall live. His life shall be as a price to him, and he shall live. Thus says the Lord, this city shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. Okay, so now this is bottom of the ninth. So we're, we're, it's no longer get rid of your idolatry because eventually this could happen. This is to say in Jeremiah 38, okay, now look, I've been telling you, but now it's about to happen. You can save your lives. One last chance. Go to the Chaldeans and get out of here quick because the Babylonians are coming. Here was their response. And you just get a feeling for how this has gone with Judah and the prophet Jeremiah. Verse 4, therefore the princess said to the king, please let this man be put to death. Let's kill the prophet. For thus he weakens the hands of men of war who remain in this city. We're going to, we, look, we got this, right? We, we've got this. Don't discourage the soldiers, the army. We're, we're fine. It's, it's like they don't even remember the need for God. The hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man does not seek the welfare of this people, but their harm. And Zedekiah the king said, look, he's in your hand. The king can do nothing against you. Do what you want, you know. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the prison. They let Jeremiah down with ropes. Now, other translations will say that this is a cistern. And so this is where water is kept, and it's just a big, deep hole. And and it's empty right now, except for mud in the bottom. They lower him down with ropes. They could have dropped him and just killed him that way, but they, I don't think they wanted to shed his blood. They wanted to be able to say that they didn't shed his blood. So they let him down, and he could just, he could die of exposure. He could die of starvation. They really didn't care. In the dungeon, there was no water but mire, and Jeremiah sank in the mire it's a pitiful sight in the Old Testament. He was, he was sitting in the mud in the bottom of the cistern because he warned them that this siege was just about to happen and they were going to face the sword. They were going to face pestilence. They were going to face famine and starvation. And it's about to happen. And let me save you and get out of here. Go to the Chaldeans. And so they put him in the pit. It reminds you of Matthew 23 and 37 where Jesus looked over Jerusalem before it was destroyed the second time, this time in AD 70 by the Romans. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stone those that were sent unto you, how many times would I have gathered you together like a, a hen gathers her chickens under her wings and you would not? Well, this is the attitude. This is where they are. Now, I want you to go to Lamentations, the next book. And that really is the point of our lesson tonight. I want to read a couple of passages. I'm not going to read all of it. But Babylonian, uh, the Babylonians come, and the misery is, is, it envelops them, just like Jeremiah had said. 30 months of siege. Remember, remember what Psalm 137, uh, Psalm 137 says, beginning in verse 1. It's very much like Lamentations. It's, it's in the time of the Babylonian captivity and it says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion, Jerusalem. We hung our harps <clears throat> upon the willows in the midst of it, for there those who carried us away captive asked of, of us a song, and those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, sing one of the, the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? 
If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I don't exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. This is the dark time. They're going into Babylonian captivity. The siege has begun. I I want you to read later. I'm not going to do it tonight. I thought about it, but I don't want our children to have mental, mental images of some of the things described here. But you adults, especially, I want you to read chapter 4 later. It is so bad uh, describing the description of what's going on in this siege. The blood is running in the streets, and you have starvation, and you have cannibalism of the most awful sort. And that's the part that I, I just don't want to read in right now. But that's what was happening. Now to chapter 3 and verse 1. Okay, here's what you got to get, is that God did it. So God, Jeremiah's going to give God the credit. This is terrible, it's awful, but he's had enough. I mean, the idolatry, it's very much like he would say, you, you, you trust your gods, the gods of the, the nations around you, and when you face trouble, you should just call them. Just, just go ahead and call the idols to come and help you in time. I'm done. I'm done with this. Now, he's going to save a remnant. There's going to be a remnant of Judah that will be faithful, and you know that. And ultimately, Jesus is going to be born from Judah. But at this point, they're going to go to Babylon. They're going to be in captivity, and it's an awful time. Jeremiah is, is writing this while he's smelling the stench of the dead, while he's looking at these people who are starving to death and the ugliness of it, while he's, while he's seeing the cannibalism that exists there. And so Lamentations is a book of weeping. Now verse 1 of Lamentations 3. I'm a man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in the darkness and not in the light. Surely he has turned his hand against me. Time and time again throughout the day, he's aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He's besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. He set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He's hedged me in so that I cannot get out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. He's blocked my ways with, with hewn stone. He's made my paths crooked. He's been to me a bear lying in wait. Like a lion in ambush, he's turned aside my ways and torn me in pieces. He has made me desolate. He's bent his bow and set me up as a target for the arrow. He's called the arrows, caused the arrows of his quiver to pierce my loins. I've become the ridicule of all my people. Their taunting song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He's made me drink wormwood. He's also broken my teeth with gravel and covered me with ashes. You've moved my soul so far from peace, I've forgotten prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction in roaming the wormwood and the the gall of my soul still remembers and sinks within me. I told you. He's watching all of this and it's happening to him and he says, you've done this. God, you've done this. I knew you would. I, I told him that you would and now I'm suffering with this people. And, and you read that and you know that he's in terrible darkness until we get to 21. This I recall. And now in my Bible, I've underlined the word recall because it's the pivotal point. This is the point of the sermon. I remembered. This I recall to my mind 
therefore I have hope. Now, you can't really appreciate these sweet verses that, that, and I'm going to read down through 26, you can't really appreciate them until you read the first part, until you, you see where he is, and then the light shines through. I, I couldn't bear this until I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Everybody's not dead. There are people still living. Because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It's good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, I want to drop down before I make some observations to send us home with, but I want you to drop down to verse 40. And here is Jeremiah pleading to the people. He's thought this through and he remembered some valuable things that that have been part of his soul. He loves the Lord and the, the Lord is full of compassion and he knows that and we cannot abandon the Lord no matter what. And here's his plea to the people in verse 40. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let us lift our hearts and hands to the God in heaven. We've transgressed and rebelled. You have not pardoned. All right, here are the lessons I want to send us away with. And they're from the sweet verses, 21 through 23, 24. The first one is that no matter how bad things get, people who have prepared themselves, can still see God's character and his blessings. He says, I recall this. Through the Lord's mercies, we're not consumed because his compassions never fail. The the people I referenced a while ago who have fallen into atheism during the time of my preaching life, people I have known, faced hard things in life, and their response wasn't like Jeremiah's, the prophet. wasn't like that. They didn't see that bright reality to hold on to. They didn't have it. Lloyd Orman spoke for our men's retreat this past weekend, and it was really good. His his thoughts were so good. And one of the things he talked about was, and he used the word reservoir, and he said that what we have to do is be always building that reservoir of hope and truth from the word of God. You know, like Romans 12 and verse 2, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And that's like making deposits into the reservoir. And I'm, I'm building that up because one day I'm going to need that. And it's exactly what Jeremiah is talking about here when he says, wait, I'm wait, wait, wait. The, the, the compassions of the Lord don't fail. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, and I'm going to hope in him. In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was tempted of the devil, do you remember that he would say, it is written, it is written? And he he references back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and chapter 8. I don't know if he ever used those passages in a practical way to resist temptation before that time, but he did it on this occasion. He he had them in his mind. He remembered those passages. And when the devil comes this day and he faces these temptations, he quotes those verses and they did the trick. It was, it was what he needed on that occasion. Be careful about your reservoir. Number two, 
Every morning of my life is a new day for me to live for him and to see once again his compassion. This says, his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's very much like like 1 Samuel 17 and the oil belonging to the, the widow at Zarephath. That just wouldn't stop. That's how God's compassions are. This is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not that, but what it is, is is a real realization of the true character of God. And I must not ignore that, no matter how difficult things get. I can't turn loose of that reality. His compassions fail not. Now, here's something that I think is very interesting. The word compassion here in the Hebrew means a woman's womb. We, we have a lot of babies in this church, and, and we're very grateful for that. We love that. And I love Paul Owen. And one of the things that Paul does when he is making the announcement about <clears throat> what the count for something is or some event we've had, if we're only a couple of people short, he will add a couple, assuming that we have women who are expecting children that haven't announced it yet. And we'll add, he'll add those on. I've always thought that was a really great thing to do. If, if a woman hasn't announced that she's expecting, one of the ways that you can tell is if, if uh, you're in a car and, and they're riding along and you hit a pothole and, and she's going to put her hand on her middle. Verse 22 says, his compassions fail not. And the word compassions there references the womb. It references that that kind of compassion, that depth of compassion. And every morning, I mean, didn't we sing this song often growing up? Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Psalm 103, verse 13, like as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. What about Psalm 30 and verse 5? And the Bible says his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Here's the last one from verse 24. This is the word. This is, this is the word that has meant so much in my life. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Now listen to me. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 says, There's no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. Now see, the rest of the things in your life are not going to necessarily be constant. We'd like to think so. But I can tell you what the constant is. Is that God is faithful. I don't know what I'm going to face tomorrow. I, I, I may go into a very dark time. I, I don't know that. But I know this. God is faithful, and no matter what you face, no matter what kind of trial you have to endure, always remember, always remember that the compassions of our Lord do not fail. And you can't see this. You can't really grasp it unless you appreciate the book of Lamentations and about what's going on and the the smell in the air when he writes and what's in front of his eyes and the, the very... The unspeakable horror of what he's seeing. How will it ever get better? How will this ever change? It is in that context that the Bible says, I recall something. I recall this. Now you and I 
must recall that every day. And isn't it interesting that he says that these compassions of God are new every morning? You know, the second law of thermodynamics and the spring on the clock runs down and a cup of coffee that's hot is going to get cooler and that energy is dispersed and and things run down. That's just the nature of things. This doesn't run down. The compassion of the Lord is new every morning. So when you get up in the morning, the first thought I want you to think about tomorrow is, you know what? Here's a new page of compassions from my Lord. And why do we need that? We need it because when the day is hard, when the day is really hard, I need to recall Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, even in pain, our confidence in him is fully justified. I hope you have a wonderful week. hope it's a wonderful week. And remember that ultimately what you and I have that is consistent, and it's always going to be consistent, is the Lord, and he is my portion. What is your portion? You say, well, I, I suppose it's my wealth. Will you keep it? Will you? No, you will not. Maybe maybe it's other things that pertain to this life. Will you keep it? Mm, for a little while, but no. Ultimately, do you know what you've got? There are no pockets in a shroud. You know what you got? We've got the Lord. The Lord is our portion. He is our portion. That's what I've got. That's what I can depend on. And it's a God, the God, whose mercies are new every morning. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.